Hello, hello, and welcome to my reinvented podcast, Taboo, where we talk about all the things people are afraid to talk about. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm probably going to talk about it. Life's too short for ambiguity. So thanks for listening, and here we go. Hello, beautiful souls. So today I'm going to talk about job satisfaction and burnout. As a child in an immigrant family, I constantly heard my dad telling me to get a job that makes money. But every time he said that, my mom would counter with, no, don't worry about the money, do something that you love. As the daughter of a police officer and an elementary school teacher, the juxtaposition of their relationship dynamic and their careers involving two entirely different worlds was always present for me. My dad worked long hours, I'm talking like 80 hours a week, to keep us afloat as a middle-class family, while my mom worked shorter hours, usually eight to three, which were also extremely taxing on her nervous system. But my sister and I always had everything we needed and then some because they worked hard enough to provide for both my sister and I. As the older sibling, I was definitely the experimental child. There is no rule book on how to be the best parent ever, and every child will definitely present a completely different personality, set of values, and their own trials and tribulations that will go into the choices parents make when raising their kids. I can only speak from my own personal experience when I say that my parents pushed me to be the absolute best I could be. Straight A's were expected in school, no less. I was put in sports to develop my character and teach me discipline. After sports, I would go to the ranch and shovel horse poop from multiple stables with my mom. When the wheelbarrow was full, I'd walk all the way to the other side of the ranch to dump the manure into the giant poop pile. It was exhausting, and a lot of times I didn't want to do it. But whenever I would complain, my dad would be there quoting his favorite movie, that Disney movie Holes with Shia LaBeouf, and quickly silence me with the line from the sheriff telling me, It builds character. I carried the work ethic my dad demonstrated into my adolescent years, getting my first job when I was 15 at Kentucky Fried Chicken. My parents passed a Dodge Caliber down to me. His name was Carrot, and he was bright orange. His exact sun color name was Sunburst but I didn't get off the hook so easily. My dad told me, well, you want a car, Kriti? You got one. But the rest is on you now. At first, I didn't really understand what he meant until it came time to start driving it around and I realized, oh crap, I need gas. Thank God this was 15 years ago and not today when gas prices are sky high because my first job, Kentucky Fried Chicken, which was a hybrid restaurant with a Long John Silvers inside, paid me minimum wage, which was like $7 an hour. I would work a few shifts a week, going straight from cross-country or track practice to the restaurant. I'd work till midnight or 1 a.m., cleaning toilets and serving chicken in buckets with some of the smartest people I had ever met. And I mean that with the utmost sarcasm. It was boring. I'd smell like chicken after the shift, and even then sometimes after I had already showered. And I was crunching in homework during the slow bits of the shift. It only took me three months to realize... Yeah, I can't do this. Can people really want to work here forever? People seriously can't be this dumb. I put in my two weeks notice and I quit. And then I went to work on a myriad of other jobs, including after school care counselor, summer camp counselor, private tutoring, and all of these helped pay my monthly car payment, my wildly expensive car insurance, which about 15 years ago was $180 a month. God knows how much it is today. 
and any other little things that I wanted to buy. I was 15. I was living the dream. I lived rent-free. I had a nice house. I had my own bedroom. I had a nice kitchen. I had air conditioning, warm water, electricity. I didn't need anything else. Fast forward through my undergraduate education, I quickly worked my way to the highest supervisor position at the UMiami gym. I dabbled in cashiering at Sada, the clothing store at Dadeland Mall, and I was still tutoring kids for extra money, all while taking 18 credits a semester so I could graduate in three and a half years. I graduated December 13th, 2013, and two weeks later, I was working 40 to 50 hours a week at an ophthalmology office. I worked there until three weeks before I moved to North Carolina for PA school and then did my best in survival mode for two years. I graduated, took my boards, moved to NYC, and then I worked walking dogs on an app called WAG and scooping ice cream at Ben & Jerry's with my $150,000 master's degree and $170,000 of student loan debt so I could pay my New York City rent. I spent three years working at my first official PA job in Queens, put in my two months notice, and worked my new urgent care job at the same time for the last two weeks. So I was working both jobs for two weeks until I fully transitioned into urgent care. I've been working at urgent care ever since, averaging 40 to 50 hours per week. COVID hit in 2020 and the world stopped, except for healthcare workers. The pace increased, the volume increased, the panic increased, the medicine increased. I was seeing anywhere from 80 to 100 patients every day. Do you know how crazy it is to listen to 100 people tell you about their fears, concerns, problems, and how bad they feel in 12 hours, and then to do it all over again the next day? It's easy to imagine how quickly someone can burn out working a job like that. The beauty of COVID was that in the rest of the world slowing down, all the things the average person normally invested their time in, like going out to bars and partying till 2 a.m., It all came to a standstill. And people who once relied on getting up and commuting to their jobs suddenly just rolled out of bed and started their day. Others who had been working at companies for years were suddenly laid off due to monetary shortages. And then they had so much free time, they didn't know what to do with it. It was a quick stop for a lot of people. Many people realized, I hate my job. Many people realized, I don't like my partner. I'm not in love with them anymore. Many people realized they did enjoy their job. Many people realized they did enjoy the company of their significant other. Many people realized they are replaceable. When I talk to a lot of people, especially here in New York City, they have this idea that they are priceless employees. Of course, our egos love to think that there is no one on earth who can do this job the way that I can. And while that may be true for some people, part of embracing our humanness is that we are all replaceable. Think about it. If tomorrow you suddenly get into a terrible car accident or something fatal happens to you, God forbid, while your job will send out a beautiful email about your loss and how great of an employee you were to the rest of the staff, your position will be posted on an Indeed or Google job search and they will interview people for the job and someone will eventually be trained and replace you. My mom was the one who first illuminated this concept for me when I was working at the ophthalmology clinic. As a person with common sense, I quickly became a favorite of the specialist I worked with and they wanted me to be their assistant. Of course, without official titles or pay raises. 
But because our egos thrive on this self-satisfaction, we don't see anything wrong with that. How many of us have happily taken on more responsibilities in a job because our boss told us they were looking to promote people in the near future or the next quarter or the next month? Did you get that promotion? Did you get that pay raise? For most people, the answer is no. I've even heard stories from people who were in a company who created a new position for them and gave them a marginal pay increase. And while that person may have felt special, the truth is the company likely didn't give you that full promotion or jump to the next title because then they would have had to pay you more money. And let's be honest, big companies will do whatever it takes to pay you the minimum amount for you to be satisfied with your job and continue working. It's called complacency. And that's what I want to delve really deep into here, complacency. If you're an immigrant or come from an immigrant family, we come from generations of people who believe that if they worked at a job for 40 to 50 years, dedicated their heart and soul into it, put their entire being into it, they would reach the quote unquote American dream. The beautiful undocumented community I worked with in Corona, Queens, they paid coyotes to smuggle them into the country illegally. I'm talking absurd amounts of money, 15, 20, and even $25,000 so they could step foot on American soil and try to make something of themselves, not only for themselves, but for their families and loved ones. These poor people arrive in America speaking minimal, if any, English and take any job that is given them to here for any price because usually the American dollar is so much better than the countries they flee from. But they don't stop there. Every patient I treated or followed routinely worked not one job, but two jobs to make ends meet. For the women, you can still find them in housekeeping or cleaning services, hospitality jobs that Americans consider themselves to be too good to do. These women are putting their backs into the houses they clean. They take care of other children as nannies, while their own children are back in their homelands being raised by cousins and aunts and other family members. For the men, they all get jobs at restaurants as barbacks, delivery boys, hoping to work their way up to chefs and cooks. And if they don't go the restaurant route, they go into construction, working brutal shifts that tax them both physically and emotionally, and then they send most of that money back home to support their families and children and relatives. By the time they walk into the exam room to see me, they're so stressed and exhausted, finally asking for help because they have nowhere else to go and don't know what else to do. I once had a lady who came in so anxious and depressed, sobbing about how she hated living in New York. I asked her why she couldn't go back to Ecuador, and she told me she had to pay the coyote who brought her $20,000. She was paying in monthly installments because she didn't have $20,000 up front. She said if she didn't pay it, they'd send people to kill her and her family because they knew where she lived and where her family lived back home. I know it sounds like the plot of a Taken action movie, but these things are actually happening everywhere, even today. This is the reality for a lot of immigrants. I asked her if she could do it all over again, would she come to America? She didn't even let me finish the question. She said no so fast. I remember tearing up and letting the tears stream down my cheeks as I gave her a big hug. I can't even begin to imagine the struggles of my grandparents coming to a foreign country where they don't speak the language. I'm sure it wasn't easy. These are the generational wounds that children of immigrants are working so hard to heal today. 
But the beauty of being alive today in a family of immigrants is that we don't have to struggle. Our families did everything in their power to ensure we had a roof over our heads, food on the table, and everything else we needed to be successful. But there's still this feeling of guilt, right? I've been doing a lot of deep inner work and reflecting, and I realized that my biggest fear in life is disappointing my parents. It's not being poor. It's not dying. It's not even ending up homeless. It's having my parents feel like I let them down. That all the sacrifices they made for me weren't good enough. And I think a lot of people, especially us older children, we share that same fear. When I look introspectively and I ask myself, man, why can't I just quit my job? That's the answer I keep coming back to. That fear of failure. Not for myself, but failing my parents. Historically, our parents, our grandparents, our family members, they may have had to work at the same place their entire life. Or they lived in the same house their entire life. But today's generations are realizing that there is so much more to this life. If you've ever taken a psychology class, you were probably taught about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It was a pyramid that looked like the food pyramid they used to teach us about in elementary school. But instead of food portions, it was about how human involvement is a stepwise approach. That basically, as we continue to feel more safe and secure in our environment... We can continue to develop intellectually, emotionally, physically, and focus on achieving our self-actualization. So in thinking about this pyramid the other day, I realized my grandparents spent the entirety of their lives in survival mode, which are the bottom two steps of the pyramid. The only things they could focus on were physiological needs, having food, having water, and safety needs, job security, having a safe home, etc., Cue the entry of my parents into the world, and because they already had a foundation of physiologic needs and safety needs met, they could now focus on their psychological needs. Things like, I want to find a partner who really loves me. I want to make meaningful friendships. I want to go to college. I want to be successful. Which, like many of our parents, both my parents worked very hard to achieve. So now my sister and I come into the world, and now we already have all of the previous stepping stones placed down for us to walk on. So where does that leave us? Well, my basic needs have been met with food and water. I feel safe at home. I was told to work hard and be successful so I wouldn't have to struggle, which led to me getting a bachelor's and a master's degree. I refused to settle for less, so I dated for many years before finally deciding to commit to a partner worthy of my time, love, and energy. And that leaves me on the last step of Maslow's pyramid, self-actualization. Questions like, what is my life purpose? I can't possibly work at this job forever. Why am I here on this planet? And other deeper, more profound questions. So that, my friends, is why we are starting to see a huge surge in these trending words. I'm burnt out. I'm overworked. Unprecedented levels of stress. Astronomical anxiety and depression. That is why there is a huge rise in entrepreneurial businesses, why people are waking up and saying, I can't take this anymore. I don't like this job. I don't care if I don't know where I'm going next. I'll figure it out. And they quit. A lot of us are struggling to commit to a job that isn't serving us. So all of this said to leave you with some food for thought. If you're working full time, ask yourself, is this a job I see myself at in five years? If the answer is no, why are you still working there? 
What is preventing you from taking that leap into your own freedom? If you're not working or you just don't know what you want to do with your life, ask yourself, what are the things that I truly love to do? What are the things that I am most passionate about? What are the things that I am naturally good at? What do people come to me for advice about? How can I leave this world better than how I found it? As time continues to pass, I foresee a lot more people leaving their jobs. It's already happening in healthcare. Nurses, doctors, healthcare providers were leaving in droves. Why? The system is no longer working. When big companies prioritize their greed and profit over the well-being of their employees and patients, why would anybody stay? Tough questions, huh? Well, if you're still listening, thank you. Stay tuned for some raw, honest, real conversations, and thank you for joining me on this journey. Stay tuned for the next episode, and please like, rate, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. If you have questions, comments, feedback, please feel free to DM me on Instagram at Chris Alec. Have a wonderful day or night, wherever you may be. Sending you so much love, Kristen.